And welcome in everybody, welcome to another episode of the Dynasty Underground. I am your host, Derek Walmack, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dino Underground. That's at D-Y-N-O Underground. And we are going to be reviewing not only Monday night football's game, but Tuesday night's football game as well. Um, and then do, you know, do our our normal routine, run through some DraftKings, maybe look at some betting lines and see if we can win some money this weekend. Um, I don't know if my voice sounds any better or not. It doesn't feel like it sounds any better to me. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on that my voice is just so, or like my throat is just so gravelly. But nonetheless, you know, I still still you know all my listeners are still here you're all still hanging out and powering through it even though it might sound like somebody else is hosting so i really appreciate that but let's go ahead and dive into the monday night football game there's not a whole lot that i want to dive into on you know in terms of the new orleans saints um jared cook was basically completely uninvolved um, but, you know, Alvin Kamara is going to keep doing his, you know, his thing. Um, Traquan Smith though, you know, records a 78% snap chair, but only, only gets two catches on three targets for eight yards. So it was fun. You know, it was fun. I, I don't think we're going to get a true Traquan Smith breakout. But Emmanuel Sanders, on the other hand, gets 14 targets, catches 12 of them for 122 yards. Um, and that's coming off of a six-catch, 93-yard performance last week, a four-catch, 56-yard performance, and a touchdown the week before. Emmanuel Sanders is probably not okay. If, if Michael Thomas is going to miss any more time, Emmanuel Sanders is in your lineup. That's, you know, that's that's just it. Um, you know, his usage is going up. His targets are going up. His receptions are going up. And it makes sense. You know, it, it makes sense be, and, you know, in, in, when you think about the fact that, you know, I think this COVID offseason affected a lot of things differently we thought it was going to affect all rookies and all players changing teams it doesn't really seem to be the case I think it affected some people I think it affected the defenses much more than anything but a lot of these rookies are looking good <laughs> and a lot of the players that change teams <laughs> are looking pretty good so I really yeah, you know, with Emmanuel Sanders, I don't know what the deal was at the you know at the beginning of the season. He did catch a touchdown in Week One, but he was only, I mean that was only on a forty nine percent snap share. Um, I don't know. As like I said, as long as Michael Thomas is out, Emmanuel Sanders is in your starting lineup. If Michael Thomas is in, I think he's still worth keeping on your bench to see how that plays out. Um, but what I really wanted to talk about from this game was, yeah, Mike Williams, you know, Keenan Allen gets hurt after, you know, he's been dominating the targets with Justin Herbert, was dominating the targets again Monday night, catches the touchdown. 
I guess, hurts him, hurts his back on that catch. But then it was the Mike Williams show. Um, you know, he was dominating targets after that. You know, there was nobody else. I mean, there was a couple of guys that got some deep shots, but I mean, Mike Williams was getting peppered. He was getting deep shots of his own. And as far as I'm concerned, <coughs> if uh, if Keenan Allen's not there, Mike Williams is a locked and loaded, solid wide receiver too, at least. As long as Keenan Allen's not there. I mean, if he's going to get eight plus targets per game, especially with the depth of targets that he receives, you know, the targets, how far he is downfield when he catches these balls, he's going to be a solid, steady player as long as Keenan Allen is out. And, you know, he was a big time target of mine in the late rounds and drafts this year. Um, I think I ended up with him in every single mock draft I did on the show. Um, all my best ball teams, or at least most of them have him. Uh, my most important, my two most important ones do my $20 DraftKings best ball team. <clears throat> and my Scott Fishbowl satellite team has Mike, Mike Williams. So I actually, not to toot my own horn, not to toot my, you know, well, I wasn't going to do it, but I brought it up. Not even a big deal, but I did lead the entire Scott Fishbowl satellite tournament in points this week. Was pretty awesome, you know. We, me, and Jake Trowbridge ran through uh, our strategies on the show whenever he came on, <clears throat> and I executed that plan pretty much perfectly. And I don't know. It's nice. It's nice to. It's nice, especially in fantasy football, when everything's so random. It is really nice whenever you plan something out, you get to execute that plan, and it's working. You know, I mean, I'm not winning. I'm third in my division in points, but I'm not behind first place by much. Um, and I get Le'Veon Bell back. And in case you haven't heard, yeah, this is a good alarm, by the way, not a bad one. <laughs> in case you haven't heard, I'm sure you have. Le'Veon Bell was cut by the Jets. Goes to free agency. He will get to sign with whomever he wants. I don't know what the best landing spot would be. I mean, barring an injury from somebody on Sunday. Um, I got the sleeper notification earlier that allegedly he wants to sign somewhere where he can get usage and try to win. And then it, it suggested the Kansas City Chiefs as a choice. I personally would love that if you were splitting all of the running back touches between Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell, much like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were doing, you know, there wasn't really a third running back of consequence in Cleveland. You give Clyde Edwards Hilaire half the touches. You give Le'Veon Bell half the touches. They're both RB2s for fantasy with RB1 upside if they score touchdowns. I mean, Possibly. So I kind of want it. You know, I own I own Le'Veon Bell in my main dynasty league. I'm not depending on him. He is my RB four or five, depending on how you know how Detroit Detroit yeah, the Detroit Lions go about moving or you know, using DeAndre Swift. But 
yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't have anything to add to that. Um, something to keep an eye on with Le'Veon Bell. If you could trade for him cheap, I mean, I, I would float. I would at least float a third round pick for Le'Veon Bell. If I'm a contending team or if I need a running back, I mean, if you, I don't know, it might, a third round pick might not get it done, but I would at least throw it out there, see if you can get somebody to bite. I don't know that I would do a second. May, I don't know. I was going to say maybe a late second if, you know, if you're projected a late second, but, you know, let's say he does the Devontae Freeman dance. You give somebody a second round pick and he just hangs around and hangs around and hangs around and hangs around and doesn't sign until really late and you can't even use him. You know, I don't know. I don't know that I can do a second, but basically, you know, and you don't have to do draft picks. Basically, if I could acquire him for cheap, you know, if I'm giving up something that was never going to see my starting lineup anyways, and I could get him just, you know, as a speculative ad, I would do that for sure. You know, because, I mean, there's there's nothing to lose, really. Like I said, if you're giving up just a depth bench piece or something, you know, way down that, like I said, was never going to see the light of day on your roster anyways, you might, I mean, I don't know, it don't hurt to give it a shot. But what I really want to talk about from that Monday night game was the running back situation for the Los Angeles Chargers. Because everybody knew that it was going to be the Josh Kelly show in Los Angeles, right? Well, not so fast. Josh Kelly records only a 35% snap share, snap share gets 11 carries, one reception on one target for 38 yards. <laughs> Justin Jackson, on the other hand, <laughs> gets a 59% snap share, 15 carries, five receptions on six targets for 94 yards. So he gets four more carries and five more targets and basically 60 more yards. So, you know, it is kind of weird. They basically used him in the Austin Eckler role, I guess. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of this. I mean, I'm sure he got added in your league. Hopefully, you're the one that got him. And you know, I don't know if I don't know if we're starting him in week six or not. I mean, it depends on your running backs, honestly. You know, I don't know that I have a league, especially well, one especially because I am so running back heavy in the early rounds. But I don't know that I have a league. Well, I would start Justin Jackson. I have Justin Jackson in a couple of them, but I I mean he he's never crossed my mind as a starter, honestly. Um, let's move on to the Tuesday night game. I want to talk about the running backs there. You know, AJ Brown comes back real quick. AJ Brown comes back, looks great, looks like a man, looks like the wide receiver we all drafted him to be. That was great to see. Johnu Smith. Oh man. Let me just let me hang on. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Johnu Smith call. That may be that may be my favorite call that I've made all offseason. I've had some not so good ones. I've had some good ones. But so far, Johnu Smith balling out like he is. Man, it I don't know. It just, you know, it does your heart good. You know, it it does a guy's heart really good whenever 
know, he's the number two tight end right now. Oh, hang on. That was, I don't know what's going on with these. Okay, yeah, I'm still looking at it. He's the number two tight end. With, I mean, even missing a week, you know, having already had his quote-unquote bye week, he is 13 points behind Travis Kelsey, one point ahead of Mark Andrews. Johnny Smith is the tight end, too. I mean, you know, I don't, I, mean, I don't know what to really add on to this. You know, 221 receiving yards, five touchdowns, 27 targets. That's great. It's great. I mean, we got, this is why, this is why I was staying away from the Evan Ingrams and the Hunter Henrys and the Tyler Higbees. And yeah, the Devin Wallers. I think I was wrong on Devin Waller, but when you, when you add in, you know, let's talk about Darren Waller and um, Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry and Tyler Higby and some of those middle round tight ends. There's a bunch of them, you know, and if you got Waller, great. If you got Waller, that's great. But the pertinent move, the correct move was to just wait. If you're not going to get... One of the top end guys. I don't know what's going on with Zach Ertz. <laughs> that, that one I don't think was bad process if you got him in the fourth or fifth round. I just don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> but like I said, the process, if you don't get one of the elite guys, is to just wait and take multiple swings. That's what I was doing. I was leaving every draft with Jonu Smith and TJ Hawkinson or Jonu Smith and Mike Gesicki or Mike Gesicki and TJ Hawkinson. You know, it was basically those three guys, I wanted two of them. And more often than not, I think every league that I didn't get one of the elite tight ends, I have Jonu Smith. So, you know, and I mentioned, you know, the, the Scott Fishbowl, which is like ultra tight end premium. Well, Jonu Smith is a big part of my success in that league because like I said, it is ultra tight end premium. And I got him well later than all of the tight ends that were going ahead of him, obviously. So just, it's just, this isn't me tooting my own horny. I know I gave myself the applause sounder, but I mean, this is basically just something to keep in mind next year. You know, it's, I think it's okay to go after the, the elite guys. I don't want to reach for George Kittle or Travis Kelsey in the second. I, I would consider them in the third, but basically I just don't think we should be going after the middle round guys, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round guys next year. I think we just need to wait till the double digit rounds if we're not going to reach for, you know, one of the elite guys. Just wait for the double digit rounds next season and then grab a couple of them. And I I mean I I think that's the way. I think that's the way to do it honestly. Um but something I want to talk about really from that game is the running backs for the Bills. Devin Singletary and TJ Yeldon. Now, TJ Yeldon gets 41 more total yards than Devin Singletary, and he gets the touchdown. You know, he gets three targets to Singletary's one. They both only get one reception. TJ Yeldon's happened to be in the end zone. He caught it for, caught it for the touchdown. But... Singletary had a 64% snap percentage compared to TJ Yeldon's 38. So Singletary was still on the field 
way more than TJ Yeldon. You know, I think like TJ Yeldon got lucky. He had, you know, he up, I don't know, but a huge percentage of his, you know, his total numbers were on that long touchdown that was more about Josh Allen than anything. I say long, it was longish. Um, I mean, it was, it was long enough to be considered a big play. I think off the top of my head, it was probably what, 20 yards or so. Um, and then he had a long run towards the end of the game, basically when it was over. Um, but what, what I really, really stands out though, is that TJ Yeldon, even though it was slight, he was more involved in the passing game than Devin Singletary was with that negative game script. Now, this isn't me touting, this isn't a TJ Yeldon tout. This is me saying that this could be a sign for Zach Moss truthers whenever he comes back. Because, you know, Zach Moss was more involved in the passing game in college than Devin Singletary was. Zach Moss was getting a little more, you know, he was getting a little, more, little bit more passing work than Devin Singletary was. And, you know, the, the Bills came out with some cake matchups. Some really easy matchups to begin the season. Now, the matchups are toughening up a little bit. And so it makes sense that the game script is going to be not as positive. And if that's going to be the case, if what we saw on Tuesday night is indicative of how the Buffalo offense is going to run, then we can expect at least as much as Zach Moss as Devin Singletary, and we're probably going to get more targets. We're probably going to get more in the receiving game than Zach Moss. Um, one thing I want to talk about from that game is Josh Allen. Now, from accounting stats standpoint, he looked human. You know, he looked he looked more like the old Josh Allen. <laughs> you know, honestly, you know, he did have the two touchdowns. But he also threw two picks. But, you know, and that looks bad. That looks like, oh no, it looks like old Josh Allen. It looks like this is the Josh Allen that Derek was warning us about. But he looked fine. If you watched the game, he looked fine. He didn't look as electric as he did the first few weeks of the season, no. But you know, he looked fine, you know. One of those interceptions wasn't even his fault, honestly. Like he had nothing to do with it. He threw a good ball and the receiver popped it up in the air. Um Yeah, um I think I was probably wrong about Josh Allen this year. <laughs> honestly. Um I know it probably sounds weird me caping up for him. I yeah. You know, we see we see seasons like this sometimes though. We saw Jared Goff almost win a Super Bowl. We saw Nick Foles win a Super Bowl. We saw Carson Wentz almost win an MVP. We saw Derek Carr almost win an MVP. Let's not forget Derek Carr, for a split second, was the highest paid man in NFL history. He signed, when he signed his contract extension with the Raiders, Raiders it was the largest contract that an NFL football player had ever signed. Okay, so, yeah. Just because Josh Allen is playing well now, you know that's why I specified I'll, I'll take the L on Josh Allen for 2020. 
but we still need to hold out because we see seasons like this from quarterbacks so often. They come out of nowhere and they have great seasons. They earn themselves a big paycheck and then they fall off. Like I said, I put it on Twitter. You can go find it. Whenever the Rams gave Jared Goff his contract, I quote tweeted it and said, well, here we are, the, de- the beginning of the demise of the Rams. Because yes, he had a great season, but it was fool's gold. It was fool's gold. We see it all the time. Josh Allen is a historically inaccurate quarterback going all the way back to his college time at Wyoming, playing against Wyoming competition, playing against guys who are bailing hay with their dads and uncles and grandpas now. They're not playing in the NFL. They're working at the local country store in their small town in Wyoming. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm from a small town in Oklahoma. Like, you know, I'm not disparaging people from small towns in flyover states. That's me. I am one. I can say it. You know, I I could I could disparage them all I want, honestly, because I am one, you know? It's like, you know, fat guys can joke around with other fat guys about being fat, but you know, if a skinny guy skinny guy calls a fat guy fat, then it's just rude. You know, because you're not part of the club. <laughs> um, anyways, I don't know how I got off on that tangent. <clears throat> but, yes, it's okay for me to admit that Josh Allen is having a great season this year. It's okay for me to cape up for him, even though, and he still didn't have a bad week, 18.32 fantasy points. It's fine. It's okay for me to cape up for him from a statistical standpoint and a film quote-unquote standpoint. It's okay for me to do that and also say he's probably having a career year because we see it all the time. And it's often easily identifiable. You know, I don't know. I I promise you I didn't plan on coming on these airwaves and hating on Josh Allen. The dude's playing great. Yes, I fully admit it. I fully admit it. Is he going to get replaced after this season like I previously predicted before the season started? No. It's probably not going to happen. He's probably going to sign a big-time contract at some point. But this is something I said before the season started, and it's something I stand by. When he does sign his big contract and the Bills can't afford all of the ancillary pieces anymore. And the responsibility of the Buffalo Bills success falls on Josh Allen's shoulders. You know, they don't have Tredavious White anymore. They don't have Stephon Diggs anymore. They don't have some of these other big time players or, you know, the coaches move, you know, the defensive coordinator gets a head coaching job somewhere else or so on and so forth. When it becomes more about Josh Allen well, then that's probably when we're going to see him look a lot more human. But Here comes the money. we've got to move on to a different segment. Yeah, that means DraftKings. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we do not have a Captain Showdown for the Thursday Night Slate. We don't have it. It stinks. I mean, I mean, we got Tuesday night football, so what, 
Are we going to complain that we got Tuesday night football, but now we don't get Thursday night football? No. We, st we still got the same amount of football. We're still getting the same amount of football. But as always, we are going to be doing a cash lineup. You know, for me, it's usually a double up. Um, something where the field is not too terribly big. Um, and basically... Yeah, I mean, let's we'll start at the quarterback position. Basically, this is just me running down all the matchups and finding the game that I think is going to be a shootout. Baltimore-Philadelphia, Green Bay-Tampa Bay, Houston-Tennessee, Cleveland-Pittsburgh. I guess I don't have to read these out loud. Um, oh, man. Gardner Minshew, Jacksonville-Detroit is interesting. Matthew Stafford is even more interesting. Man, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I can't play Ryan Fitzpatrick in cash. I can't do it. Um, you know, it's just I don't know. You know, I played, I played Mitchell Trubisky in a tournament a few weeks ago. It was the week he got benched, and my whole lineup was doing pretty decent. You know, I wasn't going to win the tournament. I wasn't going to win thousands of dollars, but I, I was going to turn a profit. And then Mitchell Trubisky gets benched. The whole rest of my lineup did fine, but Trubisky gets benched. Ryan Fitzpatrick could get benched at any moment in any game, honestly. Um, you know, I'm kind of tempted to go Aaron Rodgers here just because, I mean, he's not, I mean, he's the second most expensive quarterback on the slate, but I don't know who else I feel great about, honestly. Um, Matthew Stafford. Hasn't been doing terrible, you know, averaging 19 fantasy points on DraftKings. Kirk Cousins may not be a terrible play. Teddy Bridgewater, but he's going against Chicago. Oh, man, here it is right here. Okay, we got it. Ryan Tannehill playing against the Houston Texans at $5,900. That's, that's the matchup we're going to target here. So, naturally... With Ryan Tannehill, what we're going to do is we're going to scroll down. Here's what we're going to do. Okay, so A.J. Brown is $5,600. Johnny Smith is $5,200. <coughs> so it's who do we want? Johnny Smith or A.J. Brown? Me, personally, I feel safer with A.J. Brown. That's So that, that's who I'm going to go with. And then, I mean, honestly, we could throw John New in there, too, if we wanted. Let's go ahead and do it. We'll stack that game up. We'll run it back. We'll see who's cheap. Okay, Will Fuller, 6,800. And Brandon Cooks is likely still down there a ways. $5,000. Bam. Run it back with Brandon Cooks. That's how we do it right there. Okay. Let's get on. Let's get to our running backs. Okay, so Dalvin Cook isn't practicing i would imagine he's going to be a no-go oh wow <laughs> i was going to say alexander madison becomes an immediate smash play but he is priced up at seventy two hundred dollars so i don't know <laughs> i don't know what to what to do there um let's let's keep scrolling and we'll uh we'll see how we'll see what we can find how we feel about these things so I'm down here, 
Yeah, I don't I don't love any of those. So let's go back to the top. I kind of feel like we have to shove Aaron Jones. Let's let's go Aaron Jones. Let's go Alexander Madison. That leaves us with thirteen and a half thousand dollars to fill out our wide receiver three, our flex spot, and our defense. Basically, let's go down to the defense. And honestly, okay, not only have I personally been bad at selecting defenses, you know, like I could I could have won a bunch of money last week in tournaments, but I had Kansas City's defense. <laughs> you know, I had Gardner Minshew. I had Brandon Cooks. I had Darren Fells. I had Kareem Hunt. You know, I had so many fire players. They were literally, they had fire. And you know, this isn't me saying, oh, that's fire. No, they had fire above their production numbers on DraftKings. But the Kansas City Chiefs defense with negative points and the snow patrol. So honestly, I'm half tempted. I mean, the Bengals are playing Indianapolis. Yeah, I love Jonathan Taylor. I love Jonathan Taylor, but I don't love Phillip Rivers. I love... Philip Rivers for Jonathan Taylor, but I'm not scared of Philip Rivers as far as playing my defense against them. And they're the cheapest on the slate. That's the reason I'm considering them. They are the cheapest on the slate. And if I'm going to get negative points from my $4,000 defense anyways, I'm going to go ahead. I mean, I still cashed in my double ups. So I'm just going to go ahead. And honestly, I listened to, you know, I take in a lot of fantasy football information, whether it's podcasts or articles or, you know, following people on Twitter. I, you know, basically the people that are better at this than me, the general consensus is that you pick the cheapest defense. Now, last week, the cheapest defense was the Raiders, and they were playing the Chiefs, so you don't do that. You might bump up there. But the Bengals' cheapest defense, $2,100, playing the Colts. I'm not scared of the Colts. I'm not scared of Phillip Rivers. You know, he could get sacked a bunch. He could throw some interceptions. And I'm fine with that. And that leaves us with $5,700 apiece for a wide receiver in our flex. I'm going to want to put a running back in our flex spot. So I'm going to go to my wide receiver three. Scroll down. I want to spend under... $5,700. LaVisca Chenault is interesting at $5,200. You know, especially if DJ Chark isn't going to go. Jarvis Landry way down here at $4,900. Uh, I mean, he hasn't been great, I guess. Preston Williams at forty-seven. I don't know. Oh, man. I might have found it. I might have found our guy. <laughs> Um, T Higgins. Let's see. Yeah. T Higgins at $4,700. You know, if you haven't seen the AJ green clip at this point, so <clears throat> I mean, T Higgins has been coming on anyways, but AJ green is running a route against Marcus Peters. It gets intercepted. He doesn't even really go for the catch. He just kind of watches it go over him. Marcus Peters intercepts it, and then A.J. Green just kind of runs next to him for a while. Like, he doesn't try to tackle him. He's literally just running next to him. And the rumor is, I didn't see it, 
but the rumor is that he was on the sideline and people are you know playing this game but they said that if you read his lips he was telling the coaching staff you know quote trade me <laughs> i don't i don't know what to do with that but that's where we are <laughs> So that's going to leave us with $6,700 to fill out our flex position. And I'm looking at my man, Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, anytime I say Jonathan Taylor, I call him my man, Jonathan Taylor, which means I got to give him one of those. So that was my knuckles cracking because I feel really good about this lineup. Let's run through it. We have Ryan Tannehill against the Houston Texans defense. Stacked him up with A.J. Brown. And Jonu Smith ran that back with Brandon Cooks. We've got Aaron Jones and Alexander Madison at running back. We have T. Higgins at wide receiver three. Jonathan Taylor in our flex. And the Bengals defense in our DST slot. That is pretty big time in my opinion. I think that's going to win us some money. We've been doing pretty well. I mean, we've not won, you know, we've not hit a thousand dollar, a thousand, you know, thousands of dollar lineup quite yet. You know, oh man. So last Monday when we got two games, all I had to do was switch out Matt Ryan and Clyde Edwards Hilaire for Aaron Rodgers and Todd Gurley and we could have done it. We could have took down a tournament. It would have been awesome. I could have came on these airwaves and said that I wasn't going to toot my own horn and then proceeded to just toot my own horn. And y'all would have heard, I mean, y'all would have heard some of this right here. The money. That was money just flying. It wasn't money. It was paper. But y'all, it would have been money had I just made that one little tweak. That one little tweak. Um, but yeah, we are going to just power on. We'll try to hit a tournament some other week. Until then... This has been the Dynasty Underground. I've been your host, Derek Womack, and as always, thanks for listening.